Hello and welcome to the Interfish Podcast, where we bring you the most interesting and compelling seafood news. I'm Editor-in-Chief Drew Cherry, and I'm joined today by business reporter Demi Corbin. Hello, Demi. Hello. All right, so Demi, you and I were the moderators at last week's Seafood Investor Forum. It's our 15th time that we've done it. Um, the first time we've ever done it digitally, and it was uh, it was great. We we always miss the uh, in person networking, shaking hands, and uh, and making those connections. But um, but one of the silver linings was we were able to bring people from all over the world, um, all over the sector that we probably wouldn't have been able to. Uh, at one of our in-person events. So um, so it, it turned out to be a fascinating look at not just the core of the industry and not just um, not just what's uh, happening in the in the uh, primary sectors, but also about these new investors coming into the space, uh, venture groups from private companies that are that are looking to um, looking to give smaller startups a leg up. So it was, it was to me, um, it was a, a really unique mix. And um, we not only got a sense of, of what's happening uh, with consolidation and with investment in today's sector, but I think we got a really good glimpse of what tomorrow's sector might look like and tomorrow's investors and what they're going to do to the industry. So, um, so Demi, I'll, I'll kick it to you first. Um, you moderate a fantastic panel. Uh, you had Ocker Biomarine CEO Mats Johansson. Uh, you had Nolan Paul from Yamaha Ventures. You had Yus Matisson from uh, Natreco Ventures. And you also had uh, Maren Hjorthbauer. She's the founder of Find Ocean Ventures. It's a new private equity uh, and impact uh, investment group. So tell us a little bit about what they uh, what they were talking about, what they're looking for in their uh, investments and innovation. Definitely. Um, so one thing that we noticed through the discussion is that we're seeing a lot of huge conglomerates uh, with new venture capital arms like Google, Rabobank, Tyson, Chevron, and Yamaha. And all of those uh, venture capitals are very interested in upping innovation within different sectors and aquaculture is luckily one of them. But the main discussion was is that so far the industry is quite conservative in their approach and what is needed is to de-risk the sector in order for those um, investments to go through because big like big companies that are already existing in the aquaculture industry are not investing too much in innovation and technology and so that we could compete with other protein sectors and the agriculture sector as well. Um, this really needs to, to change. Um, one interesting thing actually was um, the Acro Biomarine CEO, uh, Matt. So he was basically saying that there are a lot of big companies and a lot of capital in the market, but we really need to change how we think in order for the dynamics to play. Yeah, that was interesting because he was talking about culture as well, um, and you you know you you got the sense that's really an important part of this innovation. Is I, I it wasn't necessarily a veiled criticism, but I think that that there was overarching uh, a, a critique of the sector that um, that it just hasn't gotten to where it needs to be given the changes that are happening in ag tech and given given the changes that are happening in the broader food sector. 
Um, so yeah, I, I think the, you asked some questions to Nolan Paul, who, um, uh, as I mentioned, is with uh, Yamaha Motor Ventures. And it's very interesting that you're seeing companies like Yamaha um, that are, you know, that are interested in a sector like aquaculture. But there's this real hunt for innovative technologies, world-changing technologies. Um, a lot of these investment funds and venture funds are looking for um, for uh, investments that are going to solve looming problems. And of course, among those are climate change food security. Uh, and so, you know, aquaculture in particular, but seafood uh, writ large, uh, really have, I think, a, a place to, to play in that. And I think that um, we're really starting to see more of these, these funds, um, uh, you know, uh, recognize that. Um, but one of the things, Paul's relatively new to the sector, but um, he, it was interesting to hear his sort of viewpoint from the outside so he's experienced in ag tech more but what was what was kind of your takeaway just having somebody that's so new to the sector and kind of um you know what what views he brought to the table yeah definitely he had different opinions on the sector itself and generally uh traditional venture capital investors quite have a different perspective on aquaculture because they're not very involved in the sector but he, he brought up the idea of returns on investment and the aquaculture industry really needs to kind of define uh, those return on investments and this new technology that they're trying to bring forth in order for venture capitals to kind of recognize all those new companies that are popping up. Um, so, so that was a very interesting thing that Nolan, uh, discussed. The other thing too, that I think was, um, was interesting to me and, and why I'm glad that we brought Mats onto the panel was Aquabia Marine that's backed by, uh, Shell Inga Ruka, who's Norway's second, uh, richest person, uh, and also been in seafood for years and years, uh, in the Alaska Pollock sector, and of course in Norway, um, Aquabia Marine is uh, harvesting and producing um, krill, krill products, krill oil, and it, it's been around a long, long time. And I think that um, innovation is one of those things too, where you know the, the seafood industry is peopled by a lot of a lot of fishing, harvesting, very commodity-focused minds, and the idea that investment is such a long play that it isn't going to, to necessarily generate returns next year or the year after or the year after that even was really uh, was really interesting. And he said it was 14 years since uh, Aquabia Marine was founded and $800 million has been invested in, in building that up. So it just gives you a sense, you know, that um, it takes more than you know, just a great idea. Find Ocean Ventures is also uh, very interesting. So um, Maren Bauer, she came from an accelerator called Catapult Ocean Ventures. Um, and there's a lot of these incubators, uh, accelerators that are, are happening now in the Aquatech, Bluetech, whatever you want to call it, in, in the ocean space. Um, she also uh, took kind of a, an interesting view. Um, you know, I, I thought that one of the things that emerged too was was at least in our world where we are um, our readership is of course primarily major companies um, it's sometimes easy to overlook these smaller 
tech groups, you sort of get lost in um, tracking what Thai Union's doing or Movie or uh, Trident Seafoods or, or you know some of these big names. But really, it's these small, uh, small little um, maybe technology groups that just have an interesting idea that they'll they'll be tomorrow's big big companies. Um, and I think that that ESG, um, as I mentioned earlier, ESG has become so important for these groups, um, and and it seems like there is a uh, there is more of a of a focus on backing some of these smaller groups. Um, so, Demi, what was the view from people? And this wasn't just your panel, but others as well about whether or not these smaller groups are tomorrow's giants or whether they fit into, you know, sort of a, a larger existing company. I just wanted to mention that it's not just the aquaculture industry that is putting a lot of efforts on ESG in, in the sense of an investment type. It's all sectors right now. Uh, and the good thing is that um, something Tor Talseth mentioned was that there is no industry uh, like the aquaculture industry that is so single-minded on sustainability and the efforts that are being done there. So that's one really good thing about the aquaculture industry is that we're very aligned on all the sustainability things that we do because fish is very precious. Another thing that Amy mentioned. So if, if you're not focusing on sustainability and anything that impacts the environment and whatnot, then the industry kind of is not as strong as it would be. Yeah, it's that nexus, isn't it, between um, between like uh, efficiency and sustainability. And I'm really interested in that because I hear people talking about that more. Um, that um, you know, ultimately, it it ultimately you don't want to, as you said, mistreat the end product. There's no there's no sense, no value. Uh, no returns to be had if you're not actually taking care of the product um, all the way down to the consumer. Um, and so that um, I, I do think that um, sustainability and efficiency are becoming more aligned as well. And I do think that's why, um, you know, you mentioned uh, Amy Novogratz, you know, a lot of their investments are about tech. They are about um, they are about ways to make the industry more efficient, not necessarily just the the biomass and the and the fish itself. Um, and and I think that panel, that private capital panel, was uh, was really interesting as well. We had Larson Mettler, who's the uh, managing director of Oceans and Seafood at STG Ventures. That's backed by Lucas Walton. He's the grandson of of Sam Walton, the founder of Walmart. And it's the same, um, I think they also are indicative, similar to what uh, Find Ocean Ventures is, is uh, after. Um, S2G just opened a $100 million fund. Um, and to give you a sense of, you know, kind of how many of these companies are out there that could change the way seafood is harvested, grown, processed, um, Mentler was saying that it was over something around 300 companies, I think he said, that they'd had conversations with. So, I mean, keep in mind, this fund was started literally, what, it wasn't more than like a month or so ago, right? Um, so, it's uh, it just tells you there there is a lot of, A, there's a lot of um, uh, capital to be deployed. Um, but B, there's a lot of companies that are looking for it. You know, and so I think that um, that's a positive thing. I think the industry should 
The industry can sometimes be um, insular and hard to break into. Um, but I think that this, this flood of uh, new tech, new ideas, and frankly, new generation um, is, it, it was clear to me that this is, the industry is going to have to wrestle with this and bring this more uh, into, their, into their thinking. Um, so I'm curious too, Demi, your your view on uh, your view on the um, on the uh, land based panel that you moderated as well. Um, I really enjoyed that. It brought together. It's rare that we've been able to bring together um, companies from different uh, different species. You know, it's usually that we focus on land based salmon or you know a different a different species. Um, but I really, it was really interesting to see the full spectrum, um, and see, uh, just hear a really good, frank discussion about kind of where, where, uh, the sector is from those experts. So, um, what was your, what was your main takeaway? Well, um, one thing that I really enjoyed discussing was the fact that they were all discussing how land base is getting a boost from, from the pandemic, obviously, because there is a lot of arguments that we've already discussed before in terms of proximity to market and it's just cheaper and more sustainable when we're thinking about land based for the future and how market dynamics are going to change but then another thing is that we've also been looking a lot at how this product is going to be priced in the market and one thing that Sylvia Wolf the CEO of Aquabounty mentioned is that premium pricing does not work Traditionally, when you think about a new product that is raised on land and that is based on the marketing message that it's more sustainable and blah, 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 then you would think that it should be priced at a premium. Yet I think that right now the main focus is just producing more salmon at an affordable price and trying to beat the competition. Because traditionally, one thing that they also mention is that we usually compete with each other rather than compete with the other protein markets. And that's very interesting because instead of focusing on kind of building ourselves up as an industry, we're, we're, we're kind of tearing each other down because we're focusing on competing with the traditional salmon farmers rather than trying to produce more of our product. I think that that panel in particular has a good, good dose of reality about which projects are going to make it and which ones aren't, or, or at least they they they're clear-eyed about the fact that not all of them are going to make it and um i was really interested when um you were kind of probing them on all the ipos and whether or not things were moving along too quickly or too early um and you know and i i think that there is an understanding and an acceptance that the way to the way to success and the way to attract investment long term is going to be step by step by step. And I thought Kingfish, the Kingfish company, um, Ohad Maiman, the CEO, was was on your panel. Um, you know, I, I thought that his view on the approach is um, probably the most, uh, I, I think the, the most uh, wise way to go uh, into it is you, you actually need, they waited until they had uh, an operation ready and they waited until the technology was advanced enough that they were producing a, a, a quality fish. Um, so that, that was very, um, it was telling to me, I thought that, um, that this enthusiasm about the sector, um, it seems like our group of panelists was a little bit more, um, 
it wasn't that they weren't positive about the sector. It just was to me that they were a little more realistic. I don't know if that was, um, was that your sense as well? Yeah, I agree. And, and, and the good point, the good part of that is because we had a salmon, salmon sector analyst with us who ventured into land-based salmon. So he kind of understands the dynamic of the market anyway. So I think that the discussion, that having him, having Colbjorn Geskoyotgaard on the panel made the whole issue a bit more realistic. Um, also because we had uh, Trias uh, from Salt Sea Farms who was discussing land-based farming, which he's been doing for over 20 years now as, as a company. Uh, but yeah, going back to the Kingfish company, I think that company in particular is quite special because instead of choosing salmon, they chose kingfish, which is usually produced in very far countries. And they made their planning production in Europe and in North America. And with, I spoke to several investors who plowed capital into kingfish and they, they are particularly interested in plowing capital into that company because they chose yellowtail farming instead of salmon. There are so many, uh, so many new people entering the sector, new investors entering the sector, and um, for whatever reason, I, I guess partially the reasons you just mentioned, Demi, um, ag investors seem really more comfortable with land-based aquaculture, and my guess is that they're more comfortable with the variables on land versus the variables in the ocean, which is kind of funny to me, but it's just kind of what they're used to. But, um, you know, we, we are seeing these land-based companies raising a lot of money um, without anything, without a proof of concept, just basically a plan. Um, so it's going to be very interesting. But I, I think that was, um, of all the sectors that kind of have the most attention from investors not already in the industry, that's the one that's really risen above. Um, but, but I think the smarter money, or I don't want to say smarter, but, um, you know, kind of the hidden gems are not necessarily in the biomass. Um, you know, and, and some of it, uh, on our M&A panel, some of it has to do with, um, actually companies that are, um, companies that are, um, you know, already established, just doing things, um, having bolt-ons, doing things a little more efficiently, you know, grabbing a little bit more of the value chain than they had had before. Um, but I'm curious, Demi, from your point of view, just in, in listening to all the investors um, and, and listening to um, what some of these uh, areas of growth might be, what, what did you see were kind of the primary undiscovered gems, I guess we could say, uh, in the sector that people are starting to zero in on? I wouldn't particularly call it undiscovered gems because it's existing technology, but it's just not a applied on salmon farming or uh, farming in general. And I think everything, uh, all the investors kind of brought up uh, AI, machine learning, uh, precision farming, and not just data, because I, I remember that Nolan in particular discussed the fact that the innovation investment should come from not focusing on data, because that's what we've particularly focused on in a, in a widespread notion. So just drilling down into machine learning, precision farming, and AI as the future. 
Yeah, and I think that's something where we're just beginning to see the beginning, uh, you know, the, the, the early green shoots of that. Um, Brighton Shang, who's the CEO of Aquabyte, um, is an example of, of that kind of um, you know, new tech that's coming in um, with machine learning, with automated counting of, of lice, which is one of the things that they um, recently got, um, got approval for. So yeah, it, it's uh, I, I agree. I, I think I think for for me, one of my big takeaways is that I I feel like we're coming to the end of kind of an arc of of consolidation in a particular style. And what I mean by that is there have been um, so many family-run traders, processors, distributors. Um, that have been acquired, that have gone out of business. And I think the pandemic is only going to accelerate that. Um, so on the one hand, I think we're going to see, um, you know, a kind of a flurry of that sort of consolidation, but that's well on its way. So that consolidation of the big existing producers, I think, is, um, is on its way on the processing and distribution side. Next, probably a lot more to happen in the Norwegian salmon farming sector, um, I imagine. And uh, um, I think we'll, we'll hear more news on that soon. Um, but then I think there is going to be uh, th this whole new um, wave of these, these smaller tech um, companies that are going to, yeah, I think they're, they're going to really get the capital that they need to um, make some major changes on the uh, efficiency and technology side. So, um, yeah, I, and I guess the other takeaway for me was that I, it seems like the future is pretty bright for, um, for the sector, given that there's so many interested people. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know. Um, I don't know what, uh, what you thought about, um, about kind of from a cultural perspective, Demi, but it also is clear to me that, you know, these, these, uh, as, as Brighton Shang, um, uh, brought, or the, as you pressed him on, um, Silicon Valley mindset. Um, and I think that is something that, um, has already shaken so many industries and not quite yet, uh, not quite yet seafood. Yeah, but it's definitely coming. So I realized from the discussion that this Silicon Valley mindset is what these investors are searching for. So it's it's just a matter of, of time for the seafood industry to start recognizing that kind of mindset and and then it will it will take off. I agree. Well, it was a whole lot of fun. Uh, we'll uh, wrap it up there. So thanks, Demi, for your thoughts. And we will be back next week. Uh, it's about time for our year-end wrap-up. We're going to look back. If you haven't been to intrafish.com uh, today or yesterday uh, or this week, shame on you. You should be there. Um, but you'll find that we're rolling out our, our 2021 outlook. So we've got um, top executives from around the sector giving their views on some of the biggest challenges they had in 2020 and uh, what they see coming up in 2021. So we rolled out Thai Union CEO Thirupong Chansiri uh, yesterday. Um, and then we're doing roundups on our, uh, our opinion columns, on, uh, on the, the, the stories that really drove the sector in 2020. So keep an eye out for those. All right, folks, we'll leave it there. Thanks and speak to you soon.